This episode is brought to you by WorkRamp. WorkRamp turns customer education into a growth engine for your business by delivering delightful learning experiences that increase product adoption and customer retention. Those are crucial, crucial metrics. WorkRamp's all-in-one learning platform is trusted by top education teams at Outreach, Reddit, Workiva, and more. So get your demo today at WorkRamp.com. What's what, up, Adam? What are we doing right now? We're walking. Uh, where are we walking? In Hiram J. Crittenton Ballard Locks in Seattle. We're in Seattle. We are walking around Seattle because I've come up to visit Yay. for a few days. And uh, we thought, hey, why not turn on the, the mobile mic and have a little little walk and talk? We are pro now. We've, we've upgraded with a nice uh, Zoom H4N Pro handy recorder. We're going all the way. Now we can be mobile and we go to conferences, right? Yeah. Uh, or just walking around the streets. So the streets. you'll have to excuse if there's any like wind sound or plane sound or ambient noise, geese honking. Like this. I can hear it. Yeah. It's but, okay. Uh, we'll deal with it in post. We want, we want to take you on, <laughs> on the journey with us because Dave and I are doing a little walk and talk and, and we want to take you with us. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about getting too close because it's picking up great. Okay. You that's awesome. Be, be conversational and you normal. Just, you, don't, you don't want me to like keep walking towards you? No. You're, you're like creeping me out, man. <laughs> I just want to be close to you, Dave. I just want to be close to you. Yep. That's me. And you might be wondering, how did I get here? Okay. I'm just kidding. Uh, hey. Future Adam here, well, actually present Adam, because I'm recording this from basically now, later in 2022. But if you can't tell, this episode was recorded earlier before I left North America to move to Europe and start my role as VP of Customer Education at Personio. And when Dave was just brand new starting his role uh, as Director of Customer Education at Service Rocket. And so in this episode, Dave and I had the rare opportunity to meet up in Seattle walk around, and really just unpack our thoughts on starting over all over again. And if you like the episodes where it's super tightly scripted or we're really working with an interview guest, uh, that's not really what this episode is. Uh, this is a more personal episode and one where we're really letting our thoughts wander as we wander around the Seattle locks. So, you know, if you if you like the more tightly scripted ones, <laughs> we'll see you next time. But if you want to take a little bit of a wander with us, then we'll welcome you in. Let's go. Let's talk uh, the, okay, what was the episode that we had? I don't remember the number where we were starting over. Oh gosh, that was a really early episode because we did that episode when I was leaving Checker and going to Slack. Yeah. And when you were leaving Azuqua and going to uh, outreach, right? Right. So that must have been like episode... And you were here then, weren't you? Uh, like here in Seattle? Yeah, you came up and visit and we did we did a whole... No, maybe not. I thought I... you were. You came up at one point when I was at Azuqua still. Yes. I... Oh yeah, and we recorded an episode at Azuqua. We did. We did. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was that one. Well, it probably wouldn't have been because... Because I was just too cool. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so glad, glad we got to the bottom of that mystery. Anyway, so yeah, we did an episode called Starting Over, and we played that that clip from the Bennett Foddy game, uh-huh. uh, Getting Over It. And uh, why we recorded that episode because we were starting over in new jobs. So why, why are we talking about that episode, Dave? Well, we're talking about that because we're both starting over yet again. This would be number four. 
Starting over all <laughs> over, over again. Starting over all over again. Yeah, multiple ways because this one is this one's different. And I've already announced, of course, where I went. So I'm at Service Rocket, and I've only been there for a few months. But uh, do you want to talk about what's on your? What, what are you up to now? Yeah, I mean, I don't like. I don't. I don't know if I believe in in you know the universe resonating or whatever. But I feel like you and I kind of keep changing jobs at around the same time. So we must be on some similar cycle. So <clears throat> I, parallel I, journey. Yeah. So I, I already announced this on LinkedIn. So I think a lot of people know that I I left Slack. Um, no. And hopefully by the time this airs. All have announced where I'm going, but I, I'm going to a company called Personio, which Personio. is yeah, uh, one of the fastest growing companies in Europe in the HR tech space. That's super. You know what? Like when you said that, when you talked about going to Europe, number one, congrats. Thank you. And this is a really big deal, and we'll talk about why in a second. But uh, that that European market for tech and SaaS has really exploded. When I was at Outreach. We, we talked about this a lot and we started like really, we built a London office and that, and the market is hot. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Cause you know, I think sometimes like for us on the West coast of the U S right now, we, we feel like we're, we're in the middle of everything. Yep. Uh, obviously this has been a hotbed of tech, uh, especially the Bay area where I live, but also Seattle for, for a long time. But there are truly interesting things going on in other markets not not just within north america but there's a lot of other really interesting tech being built in places that are not the places where we live currently and it's something that i'm excited to learn more about by actually heading out to europe i think that's phenomenal and on even another trend or another wavelength i i guess at um Service Rocket is a very international company. I mean, we've got people in all, all countries, all over the world. Let's walk across. We're walking across the Ballard Locks here right now. All right. Um, we can see some fish, some salmon. I'm hoping to catch a salmon in my bare hands. Well, you can. It, it happens now. <sighs> They're all over the world. And I talked with people all over the world. And I think we have this whole, you know, sometimes American-centric view of startup land. Yeah. And that's really what I'm interested in learning more about. And I'm really excited for you to be actually be in Europe. It's getting loud over here, so let's go over this way. Um, I'm really excited for you to be in Europe to like learn like how things are different, how things are the same, what, and expand, and actually kind of spread the word for customer education in a new mar market, right? Yeah, and you know, I think the, the good thing in a way is that it's not like we're starting from scratch. Customer education already exists, it's already had quite a bit of history, uh, you know, both both in North America and in Europe. Yeah. Uh, Sedma has had a presence in Europe for a while as well. So, you know, it's not like we're figuring all of this out from scratch, but one thing that I'm excited about is understanding a little bit more about the tech landscape in Europe, understanding about what unique needs of customer education programs are there, how it'll be similar, how it'll be different. Uh, really just a chance to, to learn some new things and, and hopefully give back as well. That's super cool. I mean, it's great to like start over and then really start over. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so there's, there's a philosophy that um, when, you, when you start a new role, yeah. there should be like 80% of it that you feel pretty confident about and that you can 
you can nail it and you can make it a big impact and then 20% that really like scares the crap out of you. <laughs> and so I think moving to a completely new con continent is like a healthy amount of uh, uh, crap scaring. Yeah, you're 50-50 you're there now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I'm 50-50, but I, I, I will say I hope that um, you know there's there's as much that I can learn as as that I'll also have to contribute. But hey, Dave, let's let's talk a little bit about you mentioned Service Rocket being a, a global company, but I don't know um, that we've talked that much about like what, what what do you do in a Service Rocket? Like, what does your starting oh, yeah. look like? Why are you excited about it? Well, here's what I'm excited about: that to this point, you and I have been on this parallel, really parallel journey. Walk this way. Yeah, let's walk parallel to each other. Let's walk take parallel. Right now, um, we've been on this parallel journey where we had the intention of going into engagements, into companies, to truly learn how this thing we call customer education works at different stages. So the cool thing is we have a really great network now of people who are our peers and our friends, and we talk a lot. So we've learned a lot, right? What I'm really excited about at Service Rocket is, okay, I've been at three companies. I started out at Gainsight doing this. I went to Azuqua, and now recently graduated as alumni from Outreach. Yeah. And each one of those taught me something different. Like Gainsight was kind of in the middle of a, let's think, let's think about the development of, an, of a new business that's in software, in SaaS in particular. Um, Gainsight was kind of in the middle of the curve where when I joined them, now they're now they've exited, right? They've been acquired. Um, Azuka was the smallest of the small. The, it, you know, like when I don't mean small, small like a first person, but they were just starting out, and yeah. they were just starting to get their educational stuff together. And that was a great place to to experience, like, well, okay, what does it mean when you start your journey? Then, outreach was the end of that, where now they're preparing to exit. So you're doing different things at different times. And I feel, and maybe you feel the same way, Adam, that intention and intentionality has brought me a perspective that I can take to Service Rocket and now flip the tables a little bit where, you know, if you're listening to me now, my goal is to talk to as many people as possible, help with problems on a broader perspective that looks over that story arc of a company's growth journey. Because to me, customer education is hard and it's harder if you don't have a vision. You don't don't see the puzzle pieces and how they fit together over time. Yeah. And that's what our industry is very different from, like, let's say you come to work in an industry that's established. It's It's been, uh, it's exited. It's It's been in existence for 20 years. I don't know. You walk into that, it's a very different palpable experience than I have to build it from scratch and I have to scale it. And then I have to hand it off to investors and other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that, that's kind of why I'm excited. I'm excited about being now in a consulting role where I can advise and coach and help other people and actually even help some, do some of that work. Yeah. But I'm, well, now I want to talk to as many people as I possibly can. So you're, you're <laughs> going gonna to talk to people who are at different stages of their yeah. company journey, um, You know, some early stage, some late stage, maybe even some public companies. They're all going to have different needs for customer education, and you're going to be able to come in and figure out where you and Service Rocket can add value in helping them build and mature their programs. Is that right? That is exactly right. Is how, how can we give, how can we understand where you're at, where you're going, what you're doing, and then potentially go even to the next step to build it? Well, that's, that's exciting. That's exciting. But like for me, what I'm most excited about is talking to those folks. Now we can 
validate some of the things that we've been thinking about, we see more, we learn more, we expand our market together, our discipline together in yeah. that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why we get together and do this show, right? Because we, exactly. we want to we wanna do what we can to help expand the discipline and bring together voices. We always talk about finding the others. <laughs> um, so it sounds like now you're actually getting to integrate this thing that we've been doing on the side with your actual day job too. Exactly. That's pretty exciting. Hey, uh, that's really, that's got me super excited. The more people I can talk to and learn from, this is a learning journey, then you kind of fit more pieces into the puzzle and understand, oh, you're here, you're doing this at this time, you need this. Yeah. And this is a best practice to deliver it, which is what it's going to take to mature customer education over time, I think. All right, well, sounds like a really exciting opportunity, Dave. I'm excited for you. Thank you. Tell me more about, uh, like, what, what are you hoping? What are you expecting? What do you want to learn? What, what's, what's out there? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, first of all, like, like I said before, I feel like I'm going to learn a lot about the European market. Because even though I've worked at companies that have been based out of the U.S. and have had global teams, um, yeah. in fact, recently at Slack, my, my team was on... Uh, I want to make sure I'm counting correctly. We're on three three continents. Oh wow! Um, there's I think there's something different about having a global team, but being based out of the U.S. or based out of North America, and actually being based in Europe and and really intimately understanding uh, the different markets. Personio has clients all over Europe, and they're primarily SMBs in mid market, and they're all trying to modernize the way that they do HR, right? That they, that they offer experiences to their employees. And so huh. I'm excited about learning more about leading HR practices and especially what are some of the unique challenges that not just like European businesses, I say with a broad brush, but what, what really are the challenges for uh, customers in Germany versus customers in the Netherlands versus customers in Spain, for instance. That's interesting. Right? They're all going to have very unique needs. And from a customer education standpoint, that gets me excited because that's both a localization challenge, not just like translation, yeah. but true localization. Uh, and, and it's also just, it, it's going to be really interesting to understand how that then informs uh, the customer education strategy. That's, okay, I want to riff on that just a little bit because last night I was on the CE Beers meetup. Okay, do you want to explain what CE Beers is? CE Beers is a, um, sorry about the noise, um, a customer education group that meets up. Uh, I think Tyler and Brian uh, spearhead that. We can send you links. Uh, But basically we get together, we grab a beer and we just talk. And we talk about what's on our mind and what we're dealing with. And last night, we actually talked a lot about internationalization, localization, and the differences in learning styles that happen between countries. For example, we're talking about APAC, mm-hmm. and what what was said, and again, I'm not expressing any authority in this at all, this was just the conversation, that there is a, there's a tendency there, and we start, the, start, the conversation started off with developers, and like the, the myth that developers always want to see documentation as opposed to videos and other things. Right, right, because there's some stereotypes we have about people not learning styles, because learning styles are, are not really backed by data and science, but yeah. even people's preferences were under some pretty strong misconceptions about how people 
prefer to learn and that's whether exactly that's effective true. or not. So, but, sorry, keep going. No, that's no. That was a good. That was a good uh, clarification there. Well, so, if I would keep going on that, the the point we were getting to was okay. APAC. The tendency has been to. I want everybody in a chair. I want to do ILT. Mm-hmm. And th- this is interesting because one of my newfound friends um, had, w- and some people that I've been talking to in the APAC area to hire have been talking about this reluctance for on-demand and how education needs to change. And I'm like, this is really interesting because what it means is as we go into different markets, there's a different kind of deliverable, a different way to execute. And we have to be open to that and we have to understand those markets as we expand customer education. Yeah. So that, that's really cool to me. Like, how are you going to take what you learn and put that into some kind of a best practice? You know what I mean? Right, um, right. So I think, I think that'll be a really interesting learning. And then the other thing that I'm, I'm really excited to learn about is when I think about, say, the, the scope of this role compared to um, ones that I've done previously, there's a, there's a different uh, set of, of programs, right? Any customer education program you have is essentially a portfolio that's going to contain different programs, different modalities. This is something that, that I, I really strongly believe. And so I'm excited actually about what's in the mix here. Yeah. Because uh, it'll span everything from documentation and help center, oh, wow. video to some in-product education, um, some internal education for the customer experience team uh, as they really grow in scale. They're one of the largest groups in, in the company. So really, really exciting to have the opportunity to help develop uh, some amazing CX professionals. Okay. Uh, so is it like also, an enablement or uh, an, an L&D? Yeah, kind of, of like angle? an enablement, an enablement function of sorts. And then um, community and uh, and user groups. So really a customer engagement function, which you know, in some ways skews pretty close to what, what you might consider like community, customer marketing, right? There's, you know, something, something in that general cluster. And so, you know, some of those are areas that I've, I've done a lot of before. Some of those are areas that I've done a little of. Um, so, you know, whenever I come into a new role like this, I always look at it as an opportunity to, to test and validate my own assumptions, but also to learn from the people who have been doing it on, on the ground. And something that excites me is this is not a brand new team there are already people at the company doing great work and so i'm really excited to see mm. what they've already been doing what's worked for them and uh what they want to do next that's fun it's also a little scary right when you walk into a role where has someone is do you have a predecessor so no there's they're they're bringing together existing teams um and oh, and fabulous. adding adding some new ones as well to really expand the scope of how they approach uh, education at Personio. So it's pretty exciting. Well, that's cool. So so here you are, you're going to be in a different nation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're abandoning us. But tell me a little bit more like what you think of as opportunities to, to cross-pollinate to a different, you know, I think it's so much of a different culture, but it is. You know, what do we, what do we think you're gonna learn about customer education that, that we've not already discussed. Like we know localization, internationalization, dealing with different cultural tendencies towards learning. Is there anything else in there that's you're curious about? I mean, I'm curious about so much, but I think like <laughs> the, 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 the thing that I always think about when walking into a new role, and this is, this is uh, we probably talked about this in the other starting over episode, yeah, is that 
there are always so many unknown unknowns that I'm just trying to walk in with, with a general sense of curiosity and trying to figure out where I can add value, where I can um, help set vision and guidance versus where I can really support and amplify. So whenever you're walking, I'm trying to like make this a more general uh, uh, statement now than just thinking about like what I'm specifically interested in. Like I feel like when you're like starting new uh, and you're not necessarily starting a function from scratch, but you're, you're coming into an existing team, you kind of have to look across that portfolio and really, really, you know, talk, talk to your people, talk to customers, talk to your cross-functional stakeholders. Talk to customers. Yeah, talk to customers. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and figure out, like, what, where, <laughs> what's working? Where do we need more? Where can we, where can we add value? Where can we challenge yeah. some of our assumptions? And so, like, that, that is going to reveal more blind spots than, you know, just kind of, like, trying to figure it out in the abstract. Right, because like you have one brain, but your customers and stakeholders and team have. <laughs> this sounds so reductive, right? But like everyone's brains put together is going to give you way more and way more useful feedback. Yeah, and you know, as you say this, I know that I have other friends that are actually on the other side of this right now, where they have new leadership in customer education, mm. and it it's painful, right? What, what makes it painful? Well, it's painful because some you know people come in with different kinds of concepts. And one thing that I'm just going to generalize this and things that I've seen and done, most of the time people do exactly what you do. Come in, open mind, open heart, what's going on, but you're clear, like this is what I'm getting to is, I think for customer education leaders that are now posed with the challenge that you have, and you know, I've done this before, but fortunately in most of my cases there was nothing really existing. Right. There a couple people, you know, it wasn't like I had departments and I'm bringing together all of these different assets. So what I'm, what I'm challenging you on here is to talk more to our audience about the presumptions you have today on entering to a new role and engaging with that team that exists and making sure that it's a, not an awkward thing, right? We have a best, what, what in customer education should we do and approach teams to bring them together to go to that next level of existence. So what, I, what I've seen in the past like is, okay, let, let, me, let me try to codify what I'm trying to say. Okay. Go back to, I'm trying to paint a picture of a bell curve or a, a, you know, Jeffrey Moore's crossing the chasm curve is really what I'm thinking about. If you could visualize that, if you see it, pull it up on the internet. So you start off as an organization or with a product. He was talking about the product's adoption over time. Mm-hmm. I think that so you same go from like early adopters who just get it, uh-huh. and then eventually you're getting into the majority and even laggards who don't. They don't just get it. Right. You have to do a lot more work to help them see the value and get value from your product. Yeah, it's you have to the, have the, the thesis, value, right? the use cases, the the value prop, and all. It's harder to pitch those folks. Yeah. Okay. And, and then okay, over sorry, time you get. No, this is good clarification. Exactly what we should do. The the, the later parts of that curve are where it gets really interesting. Now, is Personio a public company, or they, does it work differently in Europe as far as SaaS startups? No, Europe Europe has private and public companies as well. They're, they're a private company, okay. um, venture-backed, okay. so you, you'd probably consider them later-stage private company. Okay, that's exactly what I want to talk about. Now, I've been in those companies, and you have too. You've been over the hump. You've gone into post-IPO now I'm a formal public company 
it's a challenge. And as you're bringing all these things together, it's tumultuous, painful. I, I'm saying this for a reason because I've been there and I've, you know, I've been in and I've adopted companies and I've, I've brought teams together and then I see what happens to those teams as they progress their journey. It can get painful. So what I'm trying to get to is this, how do we make this, uh, how do we frame up to people what customer education is about as we start going through the cataracts, you know, the, the rapids towards hyper growth or, or, or big growth or becoming a real mature company? Does that make sense? We'll say, we'll say more, say more about that. Like, what are you, what are you trying to, to nail down? I'm trying to nail down the fact that here's where I think you are going and here's where I've been. You're in an organization and now you've got a leader saying, we're going to bring all this stuff together. And we're going to put it under customer education and enablement community, all this stuff. We get it. Those leaders that are doing that, by the way, are doing it right. Because yeah, you're, you're really, I, one of the things that really attracted me to Personio was seeing the vision. The vision. Uh, yeah. All the way from the CEO and the COO uh, to, to think, to, first of all, to have thought to have invested in customer education oh, earlier in their journey. It's amazing. Um, and to really have built up a strong team. And now, uh, you know, to have the vision for where it can go next and to be able to collaborate on that vision together, that excites me. It should, because this is exciting to me and I'm not even gonna be there. <laughs> Those are the kind of leaders, like I've been early stage and talked to leaders who have that same kind of view or the last couple places I've been to, like we need education and now we get it. Yeah, right? so so if I, if I can take like one detour off that, cause I still wanna, I wanna unpack what you were asking earlier, I think, one thing we'll start to see more of in the customer education world is as customer education becomes more of a known quantity mm -hmm. and as it becomes more of a thing that you're supposed to do as a technology company it's not you're not like taking a risk on 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 developing a customer education team you actually know that you're supposed to have customer education that means that for customer education leaders who are starting over right. or who are moving to a different team increasingly i think you will come into more established teams that are already built versus coming in to build them from scratch, right? Just, it's, it's a pure numbers game that as more companies invest in customer education for the first time, yeah. there will be an increasing subset of that that are now bringing in leaders for established programs. We've got some geese honking now. Yeah, <laughs> and as the geese honk, I think I remember us doing a state of the state kind of episode where we talked about how many how many more companies have existing programs than, like, to exactly to your point? I'll have to bring up that stat uh, in the show notes. Yeah, because it's not not everyone's starting from brand new anymore. Right, and it's it's a palpably different experience when you come into an existing team, and there's other. It's wrought with other challenges. Fraught, I think, is the word I was looking for. Where somebody has in their head, this is what we've always done. Okay, that that phrase always scares me. Um, or you get a lot of pushback because there's there's implicit change in a new leadership because that leader would say, I might want to go this direction and not that. So now you have to have the buy-in from the team uh, as well to really get get results. So that's why it's, this is a really good meaty topic at this point of our, you know, starting over. Now we're talking to the people who are coming into an existing organization and doing exactly what you are, right? Yeah, yeah, there's, I think there's going to be more of that where you aren't coming in to build the program from scratch. You're coming in to lead an existing team. Yeah. And it could be an existing team of incredibly capable people. In fact, we know we know folks who have walked into those positions at you know some of our, our various peer companies. And uh, uh, yeah. you're you're right you're right that it, it can be a challenge in in helping folks break free of maybe what they they have been doing or maybe adapt to a change in strategy or 
envision, but I don't know that it's fundamentally different in a hyper growth company because you brought up, you know, hyper growth and startups earlier yeah, yeah. to just what's happening in that company anyway. Because let's let's imagine that you are, um, you know, a, cust- a great customer education practitioner at a hyper growth company. Well, your job has probably fundamentally changed every <laughs> few months already yeah. as the company strategy has changed and as it's grown to a, a new phase. And if you are a customer education leader at a hypergrowth company, you can expect your job to change every few months anyway as well, right? Because that's just that's the nature of a hypergrowth company. But I, I don't think that's known, and maybe that's felt, but I don't know if we talk about it openly enough that that's one of the differentiators in our market, right? In, in our space. That, what's going on over there? Oh, no. Oh, the docks. Oh, good boat's coming in. Um, what I'm trying to say, Adam, is that Part of working for a very, you know, a hyper growth or a very fastly, swiftly moving company that's growing very fast, very quick, is that your experience is almost like the ESRB uh, on a video game. What, it, so what, what is that? The, it is that, well, not ESRB. There's, a, there's a, a, a little legal disclaimer that comes in when you play, I'm just thinking World of Warcraft. Your experience of this game is going to change over time as you play it. You know what I mean? It's like a big RPG or an MMO. You're like, oh, well, here I was level one. I have this experience. At level 15, I have that. At level 150, I'm like, God, and I can do all these crazy things. But that's kind of like, I've been in other careers where it's very linear progression. You're doing this, now you're doing this, and doing this. In in my field now, I've spread, I've done the whole continuum. At first, it's just me doing the work. Later, I have a team of five people. Then I have a team of 10 or 15 the work I do as a leader is palpably different in each step. Yeah. So I think like, and, and I'm sure we talked about this last time yeah. because um, I, I think this is almost a, like a leadership truism coming <laughs> in, at a, in a new role is that you're, you're being hired for a reason and you're being hired because you have a certain set of experience. You've, you've seen some part of the movie that your, your new company wants to see. Yeah. And so you have to use that experience and you have to leverage it. And, and ideally you use that to help set the vision. Um, but I look at, I look at that as, as a hypothesis, not a, a stone tablet, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. Like, like you want to use your prior experience and this is what I'm going to aspire to do to, to marry my prior experience with what I learn about the company's goals, about the customer base, uh, about what the team is trying to achieve to then inform what that ultimate vision and strategy will be. And I know that it's it's going to change and it's going to evolve and we're going to, uh, you know, even if the top level vision remains the same and we're working towards an ultimate goal, that the actual strategies we use and how we actually approach it as a program, inherently that is going to change year over year. Yeah. So I look yeah. at it as it's it's like chapters in a story and and we're writing the story as we're um, as we're reading it. Is that is that the right analogy? Well, it is exactly the right analogy, Adam, because it's it's kind. Of, that's why I'm drawn to this field because we don't have all the answers, and that's why we have to take this. We take the C lab approach. Like we're like scientists. Um, I make a hypothesis. I test that hypothesis. It didn't work. Try again. This is this is why I say that. Like I, I having been trained as a scientist in the past, I think makes me a really good fit. In fact, I. I'll, I'll do a shout out to a, a friend of mine I met on, uh, on LinkedIn who also has a chemistry background and also come into this kind of field. I think he's in marketing. 
but it's that willingness to experiment and write down results and test and and try things is really cool and that's what's paying benefits yeah there's not there's not one right answer and i feel like there you know there are certain folks in customer education or education services or lnd who who are you know they can be dogmatic sometimes about oh yeah this is just the way you do it (laughs) and i would always challenge that there's not there's not just one way you do it but there are certain methods and approaches and lenses uh-huh. that you use to help you arrive at the right conclusion. So like if you go back to the science analogy, well, even if the current scientific understanding and consensus changes over time, what remains true and constant is the scientific method, uh-huh. right? That's the lens you use to adapt your understanding and your consensus. And I think in customer education, we have the same thing, right? Like we, we have we have a current understanding about how yeah. learning theory works and um, what actually drives retention and what doesn't drive retention. We understand current best practices in terms of tools and technology and measurement, um, but we know that stuff is going to change. Well, what doesn't change is us uh, remaining curious um, about those things, right? Like, and constantly investigating them and scrutinizing like, them against no. hey, the actual thing. data. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, I don't know. That's that's. I, <laughs> I, I would say it's it's important to have a good sense of confidence uh, about building a strategy and about leveraging your prior experience, but not being dogmatic about it and not assuming that the way you did it at Company X is also going to apply cut and paste to to, what did I say, X? Uh, apply yeah, to company, company Y. Company Y. Yeah. I, I want to stop, pause on that for a minute because I know I've done that before. I know that I've come You've into an organization. Like copy paste. Well, yeah, I've tried to because I'm like, hey, this really worked and it's really cool and it's really, it really worked in that environment and now, oh no, it doesn't work here. Yeah. Or pieces of it did. And I can't say that I was dramatic about it, but I did say, I, I, I've said, well, I know this has worked and I know it's worked elsewhere, not just my one data point. Yeah. And then what, things didn't work the same. Yeah. So what, what I'm actually coming a, around to saying is, I feel like we're at the precipice with this field of being able to say we have a kind of a methodology or an approach to, to being very adaptable and flexible in these environments. Right, you now have probably a method in your head of what things you're going to do as that leader. What's different? Well, I, I, I think I have things that I'm going to look for. You're going to look for, yeah. I like not I, do. Like you're you're looking to get information about exactly, and so so I can validate some assumptions that I have, and those assumptions come from the discussions that I've had already with leadership, yep. uh, starting to have with with my team. Uh, and I want to bring all of that together uh, and use that to actually form a collaborative vision and strategy that will that will respond to what we're hearing from our customers and what where where I understand uh, the company's strategy is headed. Right? If we can bring all of that together, then that's how you ultimately get to the vision and strategy. So I look at it less as like yeah coming in with with the exact plan and wanting to lift it from what worked at another company and more mm-hmm. about like knowing what signals to look for or knowing like what information you either want to to validate or, or invalidate because obviously if you start from first principles every single time that can become really um, 
exhausting and, uh, and, and time consuming. So that's why I think of it sort of like validating a hypothesis. I like it. So you're not coming in with a, a heavy hand, you're coming in with a learning mind and a beginner's mind. Yeah. Well, not a beginner, not a stone a cold begin beginner's mind, an, an informed, informed mind. Be an informed, <laughs> informed beginner's, beginner's mind. mind. I like that. Infor informed curiosity, maybe. This episode is brought to you by Vidiate. Vidiate automates the creation of software videos, making it super fast and easy to produce up-to-date content with every new release. From script to screen, with no in-between, you're able to skip all the manual labor of production by simply plugging in a script to the platform and then watching that video come to life in real time. Check it out today at video.io. There you so, go. So Dave, like, I'm curious like, how, how you conceptualize this because you are working with, like you said, multiple different organizations, you're now consulting, um, and they're gonna call upon you to offer them yeah. advice and strategies and maybe even do the build. Uh, how do you how do you think about uh, taking that approach? Because you know, for you, you're probably going to have to come up with with different strategies for each of your clients, and you're not necessarily going to exactly be able to like right. lift and shift from one to the other. So how are you how are you going to approach that? Well, I think in there, buried in there, is a, a gem where, and and I'll just be transparent. Like this is something that I actually have a product built for right now, and it's going to change. It's going to evolve over time and become better as I learn more. But my approach is a workshoppy type approach, kind of probably what you have in mind, but a little bit more focused. Mm -hmm. So you're going to work into an environment like I did. You know, I come and came into Outreach or Gainsight or Azuko or now Service Rocket, and you have that learning phase where you get to know the team, you get to know them personally, professionally. You start to understand what's there, what you can do, start to build a hypothesis about your model. Where I'm starting from is. I want to talk to as many people as I possibly can about their programs and try to bring this, you know, like have a dialogue. A dialogue is a workshop, and the workshop is really three things. What's your goal? What are you trying to do? What's mm -hmm. your customer's goal? Mm -hmm. It might be different. Yeah, maybe actually like talk to your customers too and find out what their yeah. goals are. Right, and surprisingly, I've gotten a lot of pushback on that in different roles. It's really important. What does a customer want? What are the use cases? Then. After you've got that established, like, okay, I know where you're at. Now, now where am I physically at? A maturity or capability model. What can I do? What do I have? Who are my team members? Okay, good. We know where we're at. We know where we're going, where we want to go. Yeah. Now it's building a roadmap to get there. And this isn't anything new. I mean, we've done this in other fields, but I think, oh, well, I was talking about like education before and how education has been, it's important, but we have an emergence of enablement people that happens organically. I remember what I was thinking about. That no matter who you are or what company you are, you've got people that are gonna do education. You're not, they're not gonna call it that. They're just doing a dirty job that needs to get done at first. Right, like our salespeople need trained. Someone go train them. Exactly. And then maybe that becomes sales, uh, sales enablement or revenue, engage, whatever you call it. It doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. It's all education. It's all education enablement. It's getting people to know the things they need to know inside and out to help us sell the product. And uh, that, that's my methodology. I come in, I work on like establishing where we were, what we're trying to do and where we're going. Yeah. And then I have a lot of tools that I bring to the table to do that. And well, so that part's the same every time. Yeah, but, right? the, but the, that framework is gonna lead you to different core assumptions exactly. and different goals. And, and what you're reminding me of as you say that 
is design thinking. Uh-huh. Um, there's actually a book out there that talks about design thinking specifically through the lens of education. I think it's called Design Thinking for Training and Development. Ooh. And book for a book club. Yeah. It's, <laughs> well, it, it's, and it's, it's, it's practical, right? Because it walks you through what, what is a, a common development process and how do you use design thinking to actually validate assumptions, uh, kind of expand the scope of possibilities, and then iterate your way towards a final solution. So it's like almost, um, it's like an alternative maybe to, to like Sam as a development process. Yeah. Um, whereas like Addy is linear and Sam is more recursive, design thinking maybe is even, uh, you know, another step to the right uh-huh. uh, in terms of how you might approach developing uh, a learning solution. I'm getting a Rocky Horror here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. D- Dave, and, Dave and I are, are my, doing the time warp right now. My, my brain works. Yeah, this is, this is good. So I guess what we're trying to get to is that or one of the things that I wanted to talk about is really that we're, we're at a precipice of leadership. We're seeing more senior, senior roles in the customer education coming into play, which is meaning that companies are seeing the value of customer education. And now, I, I guess what I'm saying is that a fear I have is that there's a lot of leaders that fall into this, are probably going to find this new role. And these leaders may not have the same kind of how do I want to rephrase this? This gift of of perspective, of having worked in the trenches of the emergence of customer education, mm. where we're, we're learning that we're living in customer education as the title has, as our titles, like as a new thing. And then, are we going to have leaders, Adam, that don't understand the principles that we tend to, the tenets that we have started to see and treat as our guiding lights like the manifesto yeah i mean I'm, what do you think I'm, about that? I'm, I'm sure i'm sure there will be leaders who, who both do and don't understand it what i'm thinking of right now is the conversation that we had with melissa van pelt oh, yeah. uh, which will probably have aired by the time that this episode airs it will i'm gonna work on tonight <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't i wasn't that wasn't my way of don't like, pressure me that wasn't my way of subtweeting you for, for uh to do editing work sorry sorry melissa <laughs> <laughs> um but you know like that was an interesting conversation because I think what she what she lays out for us is if you are coming in as a customer education leader but your background is not in pure customer education so for her instance she came in through customer success and community which are obviously closely closely related disciplines but maybe not customer education as we understand it what do you want to do you want to go out and learn and that's exactly what she did and she did that by brushing up on industry knowledge by talking to the people on her team who are doing it by making peer connections and so that that's why i come back to the idea of of curiosity as you know a a guiding light because at a certain level of leadership like if you're a vp for instance yeah you almost always have something in your purview that is probably not something that you've done before or not something that you're 100 percent confident in and yeah. that's an invitation to go learn how it's done or what's important or what are the, uh, you know, the, the leading practices versus the, the landmines not to step on. So I hope that, you know, for people coming into customer education leadership positions at increasingly senior uh, levels, that they'll approach with curiosity. Um, certainly I intend to walking into my new role and not assume that just because I've done something that's like the thing 
that I have done the thing and that I know it all already. Yeah. So it's like, I, I think here about, um, you know, like Liz Wiseman's Multipliers book. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the diminisher traits that she talks about is being a know-it-all. Yeah. Um, and so I can recognize that tendency in myself and actively work not to not to lean into it. It's really hard though, Adam, when you have like, for me, I'm not a young guy anymore and I've done a lot of things and I have to actively say, okay, Dave, let put the ego in the back seat. Put yourself I'm, on the shelf. I'm, yeah, I'm going to talk s- about that last time. Yeah, we did. It, but it's so super hard because I can be just go, just go and have a conversation. Like I've seen this and I've seen this and I've, this is when this blew up. And like, I could tell you all that stuff. But well, you yeah, and absolutely. You want to use that to avoid potential landmines, right? There, yeah. there are things I know I will do differently in this new role because I, I already learned why they didn't work. And if someone mm-hmm. challenges me on them, then of course, then like, let's, the you know, yeah, we'll, 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 you know, we'll pull out the microscope and we'll inspect it. Um, but there's, there's a balance, right? There's a balance between what your lived experience has taught you, which I think is a valid data point, right? If you've right. been through it. Right. Um, and just assuming that you know everything related to the field because you've been doing something that's like similar. Yeah. All good stuff. Well, I think we're at about we're at about forty five minutes. Usually, length of our podcast go by this long. Uh, what what can we say to wrap up? So we've got we're we're both embarking on number four really in customer education. Yeah. Um, well, any final remarks as we as you as you go off to your new gig? Gosh, I don't know. I'm I'm <laughs> looking forward to coming back and giving updates uh, <laughs> on on how it goes. But I'm also excited for us to continue uh, a uh, bicontinental. Sea oh, lab, yeah. Dave. That that's really cool to me. Like what here's here's a, a challenge I have for you, Adam. Okay. You already know this, but challenge accepted. I, I, I really want for you that I take this opportunity to meet people and bring new voices in to C Lab to talk to. Like, let's get this different perspective because I think we have, have we had many people from different nationalities i know i have one on my list right now and i'll call you soon if you're listening <laughs> but what, what do you think about that um how, how can c lab help other continents yeah i mean i want to i want to broaden the scope of that even further i, I want to say that beyond even just thinking about the locations that we're in i think one of our one of our initiatives for this coming year or one of our desires is in general just to bring more voices into the fold in c lab hear from more of a variety of customer education leaders, maybe folks in related fields, maybe folks who have different uh, different backgrounds than, than we do, uh, because that's, that's part of our mission, right? Like that's, that's the way that we try to advance the state of customer education is by learning from other people who are also doing the same, right? Yeah, it's exciting. Like we, we need more voices. We're, we're, doing, we're more or less a service. <laughs> To the community, I'd like to say, and we're going to try to raise all of us together by having good, insightful podcasts. So this was a cool one. Yeah, so we'll we'll find more ways to do that. You can you can hope to hear more from us in future episodes. Maybe see more on our site. Um, you know, Dave and I are cooking up some new ideas. We are indeed. All right, with that, I guess we can do our outro. We didn't really do an intro. We didn't because, we, because we're on a walk. We're on a walk. So this is actually gonna be a test of, of how much you and I remember, remember our outro. Oh. Uh, you ready? Oh. Do you wanna start? Do you want me to start? Oh, and, and, and with that, we wanna thank all of you and our audience for joining. Make sure you go out and give us a five-star rating on Apple or on whatever platform, whatever podcast you use. 
Special thanks to Alan Cota for our amazing theme music. And I am uh, on Twitter at Dave Darrington. And I'm Adam Evermescu. You got the sound bass going in there too. I love it. I am more active on Twitter now. So if you're on Twitter, get to me. I'm thinking about expanding. So with that, everybody, thanks for joining. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening.